Around Comics, Episode 63. From Chicago... This is Around Comics, a roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the co-host of the show, Brian Salazar. I may be a co-host, but I'm the co-host with the most. Toast. Oh, I don't want too many alliterations. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And our other co-host, who apparently doesn't have the most toast, is Mr. Tom Caters. I am the gift that keeps on giving, but only for two times. Like the new chlamydia? Year. Yeah. <laughs> I'll blind your baby. It's <laughs> <laughs> horrible. What's wrong it's with true. you people? Hey, the thing no. is, though, it's 100% true. I will. <laughs> it's not the first time. It's not, it's not the first time I've blinded a newborn child. <laughs> Anywho, well, I would like to uh, welcome everyone back. This is uh, M- Mr. Sartres. Part, part two of our Christmas yeah. special yeah. Our Hi, after Christmas. Uh, Merry, uh, Merry, after Christmas Merry Christmas, special. John. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Chris. John Sartres, how you doing? <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Right. It's college season. football bowl season. I did not get a sloppy joe, but I feel that I've smelled enough of the sloppy joes to, to have experienced that in a way. Joe. I would love to have him some other time, right? Well, you know. I know your, I know your wife made them. We're giving away. They were really good. We're giving away sloppy joes for They went fast. Chris ate like four of them. I know. I'm very hungry. Bellied up and had some Joe. Yeah, I, I had one sloppy Joe. Nothing like sloppy Joe. Man. It was really good. All right. Uh, well, welcome like back, sloppy. everyone. Uh, part good two. Joe. Part two of That's our Christmas Joe. spectacular, or our last Christmas spectacular. Uh, last episode, we uh, had a nice talk with uh, Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn and nice Hillary Barta. And Hillary Barta was here. And after our interview with Jerry and Brian, we had a great talk with Hillary Barda, and it went on so long that we decided to make it its own episode, and that's what you're listening to right you now. You won't regret it. Yeah, Quite an episode. It, it, was, it turned into like this amazing, fascinating <laughs> it's better conversation. Than, uh, it's better than us speculating about the Hellboy 2 casting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just so everyone knows, uh, normally yeah. we would have <laughs> yeah. you know, done like, the news and everything else, but we decided, since uh, we had such a great talk with Hillary... Yeah. Yeah. We and will I, have top of the stack though, quick. At yeah, the end, at the so. end of this, we're going to do a top of the stack quick. Right. But, uh, um, but I'd like to let everyone know first that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by Athena Voltaire. Athena Voltaire, the collected web comics coming in December from Ape Entertainment. What mysteries lurk in a monastery hidden in the Himalayas, and who or what protects these secrets? And why is the daughter Santa? of Dracula after Athena Voltaire? <laughs> this 96-page trade paperback collects the entire run of the Eisner Award-nominated online adventures for the first time ever in print, as well as sketches, pinups, and more. Athena Voltaire, High Adventures takes flights this December. And also, it, you could still buy it in January. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's not, it's not January. Only, yeah. well, it came December. in December. It's fast tense. That's all yeah, right. It's yeah. So it's out there. So by all means, grab it. Yeah, it goes out there. All right. I'd like to uh, remind everyone that Around Comics is recorded every Friday at 7 o'clock at Dark Tower <laughs> Comics and Collect What? Great lie. 7 to 12. 7 to 4. Did I say 7 Ish. to 9? 
No, no you no. cut that out. Yeah, you're done because you called it the Great Lie. Uh, Dark Tower <laughs> is located at the greater the lie, the I'm, more likely I'm people a will believe it. I'm a seven denier. I deny <laughs> the reality of that. There's a conference in Iran about that in three weeks. Great seven to nine denier. Oh. Located at oh, 4835 Jordan. Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. Dun, dun, if you're dun, in the dun, area, dun, please dun, drop dun. by. We would love to meet you. When you're here, please remember to ask about Dark Tower's Polis membership. One of the best you'll find anywhere. You can get up to 20% off. Absolutely. And free oh, bags man. and boards. Uh, Dark Tower has a great selection of mainstream and independent comics and trades, as well as statues, action figures, and More. a whole bunch of other stuff. More. I'm trying things. to ignore the big ugly guy behind the counter, but... <laughs> <laughs> the ogre trying to ignore the, the troll. <laughs> that is not a troll. The giant. Answer me no. these questions three. <laughs> <laughs> Before you buy the Justice League, oh, question the first. Who is the one and only? <laughs> <laughs> question, question the first. Who is how the many, one and only? How many long boxes can I stand on? <laughs> like it. Oh. Come to Dark Tower for all of your comics and collectibles needs. And troll dropping. <laughs> and troll questions. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> troll well, trivia. Shall we, uh, shall we move on to our talk with Mr. Barda? Yes. Sure. It's fantastic. All right. And then after that, then we're going to come back and give a couple of our reviews and recommendations for the for the past week in Top Wrap it up quick. There you go. All right. Yeah. Here's Happy Hillary Barda. Hillary, uh, since he's here, we, we should definitely talk about your career. It, uh, nah. it, uh, you've done some pretty cool stuff. Uh, uh, you mean in my career? Yeah. Comics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not your professional dancing I, career. Yeah. <laughs> um, Plastic Man. Tons of Plastic Man. Oh, yeah. No, there. I've been working in comics since uh, before you were born, I think. Yeah. Pro- wh- wh- when did you break in and, and start working in comics? Oh, uh, I clawed my way to the bottom around 1980-something or other. No, I, I don't know. I, it's, been, it's been 20, 30... It's been about 20 years. Okay. So you uh, do the math. I don't know. Somewhere on there. I'm way older than that. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, 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 I'm just kidding. I like to pretend to be really, really old. Really then, old. Then when I can't catch the bus, you know, it gives me some dispensation mm-hmm. there. That people you cut me some it. slack. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually uh, when we did the the mini con back in whatever month that was. Um, I think we uh, or I referred to uh, Bill Reinhold as the the elder statesman of of the mini con, and he's like, "Oh no, Hillary's here." So I think you made him feel really good. I'm older than Bill. I, that's well, what he, he says. He's, he claims. Man, you that's are. like older than dirt. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than Bill. I'm coming for you. <laughs> You're always gonna be slightly behind. But I um, some of the some of the other stuff that you've worked on. Um, did did you do some work with Nexus? I um, had seen in your Nexus. in your. Ba- I, would, I guess what I did at, uh, is backups. Okay. Um, I drew a clone zone backup or two, mm-hmm. and I, I must have inked some. I've done so much work, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, we're going back. I mean, we are going back 15 years or so. Um, I want to say that because we're going to be uh, talking with Steve Rude in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, Nexus is a great book, and Steve is one of the greatest artists in comics. Um, and uh, I never worked with Steve, but I worked mm-hmm. with, you know, worked on Mike's scripts for Clone Zone, the Hilariator, or whatever they call them. Yeah. <laughs> Clone Zone. I love that guy. It's like, the check is in your mouth, and I won't come in the mail. I think that was his tag. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mike Barron, yeah. And, uh, we're, you know, a couple of, couple of things there. Yeah. 
Now, now, now your style is, uh, I don't want to say you know, cartoony, you know, but probably cartoony is... <laughs> Go ahead, say cartoony. Go it's ahead. been referred to as being you know, fairly cartoony. And so I, th- I think you've kind of, I think you've kind of been, you know, put in this niche of drawing a lot of, a lot of humor comics. Niche, not to say ghetto, right? No, 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 I think I think humor comics. Though, I'm never getting work again. Are, are humor comics the ghetto niche they of are, comics? They are. Are they? Well, what happens is uh, the you get you do get pigeonholed whether you're an inker or a comedy artist or whatever. I mean, a writer of this, a writer of that. You know, you get pigeonholed because people just want to put a name on you. They want to put a label on you. So I think that I did get tagged as uh, as a penciler, as an artist. I got mm-hmm. tagged as a humor artist. Yeah, because you write and you do a lot of ink work, but you're yeah. a penciler. I mean, you you're you're really one of those multi you right. know multifaceted. You're a creators. triple threat. Well, for years now, <laughs> I've been trying to get a, you know get rid of the comedy label by by doing the most unfunny stuff I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I do really unfunny humor comics, and it's working. I'm not even going to get work as a humor artist <laughs> that's for any, a while. Any, yeah. yeah, no work at all. Right. No, he's really falling off of his game. But you're going to have to break in yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. I'll break you'll, in. you'll soon be a Marvel young gun. <laughs> 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 I'm not laughing, Marvel editors. <laughs> well, I, when you were you were kind enough to uh, to show us some a uh, couple pages whenever you came in. Uh, you're writing and inking a Fear Agent backup, and and we are huge fans of it's Fear a great Agent book. here. Mm. Great book. And uh, but but I, I, it struck me as as very odd. I don't know if I if I've ever seen anyone write and ink a story before. Well, uh, Jimmy. Filmiati is probably a good example of a guy who does. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. He kind of started out as an inker and never really did a lot of penciling. Did, did, did he ink a lot of the stuff that he wrote? Though I, I don't know about that, but I'm sure he, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's happened. Oh, you know, you know, Andy Parks is. But there's you know, but yeah, a, right. There's a but there's a bunch of people that do mm-hmm. it, and there's a bunch of people that write and draw, and they think they're called cartoonists. Right? <laughs> and then after a while, you know, what that, do you mean, <laughs> cartoonists? But on the same project, that, that's uh, you, yeah. you rarely see that. It is odd. Like, yeah. why the hell didn't I pencil it? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, uh, Why didn't you just finish you, it yourself? Yeah, you wrote it, you inked it, you couldn't well, just pencil you it. Know, Come you, on, you, you worked on a project. You you inked uh, the last Christmas, and also uh, man with the screaming gr- man with the screaming brain yeah. with with Rick. But you know, Rick's a guy. He writes, he draws. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm sure he he, inks, he's inked. He's, he he's done it all. He, he tap dances. Mm-hmm. He does stand up comedy every day of his life. But he, rare, he rarely, if ever, does that on the same project. Yeah, yeah, that's odd. Um, actually, Man with a Screaming Brain, I did adapt the screenplay. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't exactly writing, but you sort of have to break it down into panels yeah. from you know screen pages, uh, screenplay pages, and mostly cut out scenes. I, I don't know. You know, I started out uh, in comics. I broke in as an inker, mm-hmm. and then uh, got some penciling work and writing work almost uh, at the same time. But I never did that full time. I mostly inked because that was the work that's available. So you do whatever's there. But once you get pigeonholed, it's like it was pretty hard to talk one guy into hiring me to write if all he knew, you know, if he knew me as an inker, I'm an inker. So. Yeah, when, when, when we talked to Rick a couple weeks ago, or three weeks ago, whenever, um, he had uh, he had done some inking work on the Avengers. And I, I forget who he was who he was <coughs> with pitching. Karen. Was it with... Well, he was inking Karen. He was inking Karen. Oh, they Dwyer? Were working, yeah, yeah okay. they were working on the adventures. And, and, and so they're, they're pitching an idea. I think it, it may have been at Marvel. I'm, I'm not for sure. And and one of the Marvel editors said something to the effect of, you know, when, when Rick was talking about this pitch, Aren't you an inker? he's like, yeah. it, isn't that your anchor? Yeah. You know, what? why is he talking? And, 
is that stigma still out there? Is that if you do one thing in comics, you can't do something else? I mean, I figured that would start to go away at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like anything. Once something starts, I mean, look at all the horrible things in the world that aren't true, but people believe them. Like, you know, all the racism, whatever. I mean, you Santa know. Claus. Santa Claus, exactly. <laughs> horrible, <laughs> horrible things. Like, but, you know, it's just you know, people just get into their heads that we're going to. Once people. Hey, you know, you could say that there's, you know, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq enough times, people eventually will believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. 48% of them will yeah. believe it. <laughs> yellow cake. 48% of the, the 50% cake. that vote. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. You, you just keep working and keep pitching and. Uh, you know, but I got I got hired as a uh, first I got hired as an inker. Al Milgram was at a Chicago Comics convention. This is way back seventies uh, pre wizard. Yeah, sometime pre wizard. <laughs> back sure. when it was at the Playboy Building. Yeah, it was down. Was well, it really? I, actually, this wasn't at the Playboy. This was at um, the Americana Congress, Pick, Pick mm-hmm. Congress Hotel mm-hmm. downtown Chicago. And uh, anyway, Al saw my portfolio and hired me anyway. <laughs> and at the end, I did some really crappy work for him, and then they gave me more work. And eventually, at probably about three years, I started actually figuring out what I was doing. But they kept giving me work for some reason. I don't know why. Very nice people at Marvel. Delivered on time. Well, yeah, I delivered it on time. That have, may have had something to do with it looking like crap. but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was quite good. Yeah. But, th- you know, th- then uh, I, I, some, for some reason I went to work at First Comics after that, and I was doing... They were going to hire me as a penciler, and I, that didn't work out. I just wasn't cut out to be like a monthly penciler. But I did start writing there. I was writing like backups for uh, Grimjack, uh, Munnin's Bar. I don't know if you guys remember that. Sure. Uh, way back there. And uh, I guess Grimjack came back recently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he brought it back. Yeah. So uh, hopefully Dynamo Joe will be coming back soon. <laughs> Doug Rice's book. I've been talking to Doug, and he's in negotiations on that. Was Badger was Badger at first? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nexus yeah, yeah. Badger. Another Mike yeah. American flag. American flag. Yeah, yeah. we have the, we have kind of this theme of we we keep running into these uh, folks that drew Badger at one point or another. So it's did you ever have a chance? I don't to draw remember Badger? if I ever. I mean, if I worked on the Badger, it would have been as an inker, and I don't think that ever happened. I mean, I'm good friends with Bill, but uh, I don't think I ever got. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I'm in the backups only, probably, and, and I can't even remember what they were. But so what uh, Bill Reinhold, you know, Norton drops yeah. in, and he worked sure. on some of the. I have I, I have Badger pages from both of those. They had some well, weird backups in the Badger. Uh, it's like Zoom oh, Town. Yeah, yeah, well, even uh, just well, yeah. Badger itself is weird. So it, <laughs> yeah, Badger yeah. wasn't weird at all. Shut <laughs> 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 your Larry. Badger is a great, crazy book. One of my favorite things you've done it was the was working on Plastic Man. Uh, I was talking to you earlier yeah, yeah. about how much I love that Plastic Man series because I think that character is such a... It's a character that you can go in so many directions and do so many different things with it, and I think he gets underused especially since DC acquired him and lets him sleep for like a well, decade. Well, how many stretchy characters do you need in one universe? You only need the original one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he he's a great character in many ways. One of the first comic superheroes yeah. really worked. I yeah. mean, I think they've done unintentionally comic superheroes before Plastic Man, yeah. but uh, he was the first one that, you know, really was a funny superhero. Um, I mean, obviously the genius of Jack Cole is what Plastic yeah. Man is all about. And when we did our series, uh, Phil Folio, Doug Rice, and myself, we really wanted to kind of bring back a little bit of what Cole had done. You know, we had to do it for DC, and we had to do our own original stories, but we wanted to capture some of that flavor and 
to whatever extent we did, that you know, that was our intention. You know? It was great. I mean, uh, I, I I didn't read them when they first came out, but I've gone back. You you, were, you hadn't been born yet, right? I hadn't right? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I was, I was very young. But I, I, I've come to enjoy Plastic Man through Grant Morrison's use of Plastic Man. So I went back to look at old Plastic Man stuff, and it's like, oh, this is great. You know, it's such a an interesting character. I think that. Uh, you know, as I said before, it gets underused, but what someone did, gets a hold of it. I love Plastic Man. Yeah, he's one yeah. of my one of my favorites. But I love Jack Cole. So, did you uh, did you happen to read um, uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns two? It was an interesting take on a on a sort of goofy character, and, and he sort of presented him as you know a bit of a psych not a psychotic but but deranged character because uh-huh. Plastic Man was always had that that funny, silly you know sort of uh, presence about I think him. It was always like a it was always a case of. Plastic Man has a certain sensibility, and once you introduce him into a universe with characters that he wasn't with, you, he's either deranged, or the universe is weird, or... Right, well, it has to be one or the other. Well, in fact, when, yeah. we, when we did the Plastic Man series, they gave us one, one rule. One thing we had to do is we had to sort of explain, and I put that in quotes, he's we had to explain, quotes. I'm doing my air quotes, quotes. right now, <laughs> why Plastic Man was cartoony. <laughs> as opposed to the realistically drawn superheroes that existed in the DC universe. In White all Plastic the other Man books. was a work of fiction. I'm stealing Tom's yes. joke from last <laughs> week. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, and, and we were like, what do you mean? It's because that's the way he's drawn. But no, we so we did reality checks where uh, Kevin Nolan explained that uh, Eel O'Brien, who is a character who became Plastic Man in the comic, the same acid that turned him into the superhero gave him these visions of everything, you know, being cartoony, and so Woozy Winks, his sidekick, was uh. crazy anyway, so he saw things that way <laughs> from the yeah. get-go. I mean, it, it didn't make any sense, but that's just sort of the narrow, you know, sort of way you, a lot of people see comics, you know, like, well, this is what comics are. They're superheroes that take themselves seriously. Did you, uh, right? did you ever read Kyle Baker's uh, Plastic Man? Yeah, I, lo- I lo- actually love Kyle Baker, and I hate to jump ahead here, but he drew... Uh, uh, a, a story of uh, Splash Brannigan, who has sort yeah. of uh, got aspects of Plastic Man in him mm-hmm. as a character, another character that I've drawn. But uh, Kyle Baker did one story that was better than any of the ones I'd drawn. I just absolutely loved it. I said, this should, he should have been the guy to draw Splash Brannigan. So I, you know, even though I haven't read the whole series, I'm, I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Splash Brannigan. Uh, it's. Um how did that character come about? And and you know, we obviously you know are interested about your partner on that uh, on that particular character. Uh, the colorist, you mean? Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, who are you? You mean you must mean the the writer and co-creator of mm-hmm. Splash, Alan Moore, right? Yes, we're yeah. fans. We've heard of him. Yeah. We're doing a year of him or thirteen yeah. months. Yeah. <laughs> it's a baker's. Year. I've heard it's that too. Baker's I've heard that too. Um, how it, how it came about? Well, that's kind of uninteresting. I mean, I don't know how it originally happened at their end, but uh, the, the editor of the book called me up, Scott Dunbeer, and said, how would you like to work on a comic book uh, project? And I'm like, and he, was, he had this funny sound in his voice. He's like, well, would you want to work with Alan Moore? You know? Like, yeah. You know, and and I'm you're like, like, I don't know. He, has I've he heard done he's anything? Difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard, yeah, that's what I said. I said, I don't know. I hear it takes a long time to read his script. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never draw the book. No, he he asked me, and it, it sounded like a great idea, and and, and uh, it was a kick. Scott's an old friend of mine, but um, so I'm not sure who suggested me. But uh, Alan turned out to be you know fun to work with, and I know that 
some people think that might not be the case. Well, his, I mean, his scripts are are pretty <laughs> legendary uh, in in their their depth, and it's I, if you've never yeah. if you've never seen an Alan Moore script, I think uh, what the the Absolute Watchman has yeah. some script has pages some scripts in there. In there. The, um, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen has full scripts yeah, in there, which is almost a tome. So uh, it's you'd even uh, Sal had had told a story, I forget which one this was, where it was a man standing in an archway. Yeah, I, th- I don't know if it was League or something, but I remember hearing a story about, uh, I think it was the artist was telling it about how he, he received the script, and the panel was uh, someone standing in front of an archway in like a cave, and Alan went through this incredible amount of detail describing the archway and the cave and the Worms that lived in the ground underneath the archway and their society and how they and it had nothing to do with the comic or the panel really, but, but it set the mood. Well, for, well, I guess I don't, yeah. I don't I don't I don't know, but well I don't think there were any worms in uh, Splash <laughs> Brannigan's <laughs> archway. But no, I mean I was joking about people not thinking Alan would be fun to work with because he has that reputation for doing really dark stuff. But I was pleasantly surprised because I hadn't read uh, humor from him in a while. Uh, that you know, I read some of the stuff yeah. he did in, in Britain. Was it's very funny. So, I mean, I know he could do it, but it, you know, he could do the same thing with Splash uh, as he could with some of the, the more serious projects. But no, the guy's uh, he's a pleasure to work with. The detail was there. I mean, he would he would write background gags in, but what he does with his scripts, it's it's conversational. He'll write to you. you know, the script would start with "Hello, Not, Hillary," yeah. and that would be like a H U. Double L O, hello, and the British hello. <laughs> nice. And he'd say, I thought what we'd do this time, and then he starts talking about the story. And everything's organized with him. And, and, th- and he just writes this stuff, stream of consciousness, but it, he has a very organized brain, much more so than mine, because he would first describe the concept of the story, what we're going to do, and then the first page. And he always describes the page first, because he's thinking about the structure of the story, oh, and yeah, then yeah. the structure of the page, and then the structure of the panel. So everything is thought Funnels out. Funnels down to a point. Right. So this is a page of three tiers, three panels in the first tier, two in the second, blah, blah. And then he would describe the panels. And, you know, it. everything was done for a reason. You know, I've, I've worked with other people after him where I got scripts that were obviously influenced by the Alan Moore school of writing, <laughs> if there is such a thing. And they thought you're supposed to describe the scene because that's what writers do. But there was nothing in there that had to be in there. There was nothing in there that had to be described or was pertinent to the story. Alan does it because it's what the story is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's describing, yeah. he picks an angle and tells you what the camera direction is because it makes sense. And it's introducing the characters and he knows which person's on the left and which one's on the right, who's speaking first, second. What's going to be revealed on panel right has to be on the right, not the. Other writers would just, they'll describe you every single thing in a bar. That has nothing. That to has do. nothing. Well, to, you're right. That's interesting. We were talking earlier today uh, about another comic, and 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 I had made uh, mention of an and uh, how that w- while I was reading the story, I I I was thinking to myself that you couldn't tell the story in any other format, in any other medium, and and Chris had brought up that you know that that's one of the amazing things about Alan Moore is that you see so many comics today and and even you know ten fifteen years ago that were. That are written almost as a pitch. They're screen, you know. They're screen, you know, as as right. as some as for something else. But Alan Moore has always written yeah. comics exactly for the medium. He he understands it, right. 
and he everything he writes is for no you could not tell in any other way you you know and, like I, and, and gonna, I think you see that in the movies that you know with the exception of maybe V for Vendetta I don't think that his that his comics have really translated to to the screen, screen or anything else as, as well as you would want them to because they're they're, they're meant to be story. comics he, he you know he does it so specifically for the for the job, well, for the medium or, or maybe just that they're so good as what mm-hmm. they are that, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a generic comic can become a generic movie pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, a great comic doesn't necessarily... But it's hard to take a great comic and make... It's hard to make, like, a great novel. Same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you, there's such genius there, then you go, okay, if they translate it literally, it's not the same thing. Right. Yeah. It's it's something weaker as a film or, or whatever it's being adapted to. But, but we see that in a lot of comics <coughs> today that, you know, it's pretty obvious that that there are a lot of people. It's you know we talked to, to uh, Jerry and, and and Brian earlier, and they work in in Hollywood. They're they're entertainment, but they picked comics because it was the right medium to tell the last Christmas. Right, and they could have pitched that as a TV show or an HBO special or or something you know other than that. But they knew that comics were the right medium for that, and I, I think that there are a lot of people that are starting to see comics as a way to tell a oh, story yeah. somewhere else. No, I think, I mean, uh, without naming names, there are people who uh, will write their comic knowing that they want to do a movie of it, but they mm-hmm. simply do the comic because that's the way to get the movie made. It's like something they can bring into the meeting and throw it on the table and say, this is what we want to do is right. the feature or whatever. And you know what? I mean, you got to make a living and that's fine, but yeah, comics are a thing, you know, and they're, a, they're their own medium, so... It's too bad that that's the case, that yeah. they become some second banana and some... Well, you know, I, I think it's okay if it's if it's done in a very, you know, obvious way. It's like uh, Tim Seeley uh, did Hack Slash, which I loved. I thought it was very entertaining. But Hack Slash, it's really obvious that Tim is like, this would be a great slasher movie. But it that's the premise of the damn book. It, it's so right there that... That, that you see it, and that makes it okay. But it, it's like a lot of other books that I read. It, it seems like it's it's almost hidden. It's, yeah. it's like they're trying to to hide the fact. But I, I don't I don't know what people are trying to do to me. <laughs> they're all trying to lie to me. I did enjoy your um, your contribution to the twenty four seven anthology. Huh? Huh? I thought that was a really fun two page story that had uh, really interesting detailed art and had a nice. It was a nice two-page story that had a way to even get a twist into a two-page story, which I thought yeah. was like a really well. Fun I mean, the, the book do. the book uh, is uh, New York City Mech, and when oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which Very is all about robots. Yeah, but they're not aware that they're robots, yeah. or they never mention that they're robots. Just like New York City, the future, the present day, whatever it is, they're robots, but we don't talk about it. And I just sort of didn't get that you didn't talk about it. And I think it was Bill Ray and I both. <laughs> but uh, it was funny. It was we fun both to pitched read stories. That. Yeah, but we both pitched stories that were about that idea. Yeah. And and so my story originally was going to be that this guy dreams. He's like a, a guy in the New York Mech universe that dreams. He's an old science fiction guy, yeah. and he's human there, right? Yeah. He's a flesh and blood science fiction character instead of this dystopian present in, in Mac, he's it's in this old utopian Hollywood EC science fiction <laughs> yeah. where men can rocket to the moon and and it was like I even said, uh yeah, except that he can't talk. He doesn't know he's not flesh and blood. We don't talk about that. I go, yeah. well, 
yeah, but that's what this story's about. No, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> not in and the Bill was doing something else where some guys were, like, destroying, yeah. like, robots or something. Anyway. Right, so that's, of course, the uh, the fantastic uh, anthology very from underrated Image. anthology. Yeah. Oh, that's I think, right. Uh, I think that go. book should sell way more. I mean, if you want to, if you want a book with a variety of writing oh, and art it, in oh, it. a ridiculous list of That talent. was the cool thing about that book. When I started hearing the different people that were in there, I'm like, well, I better get into this thing, you know. Mm. So You cool. see a little bit of everything in that. Yeah, yeah well, I, Ivan had uh, had really uh, um, called a lot of international talent. There's uh, there's some European mm-hmm. and, and South American uh, artists in there, and uh, you know, Matt Fraction, and Kelly Sue, DeConnick had a story in there, Phil Hester, so... Ivan's now going to be mad at me because he doesn't like the point. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like an arrow pointing at the we don't talk about being robots <laughs> thing. <laughs> What's the first rule of 24-7? I'm like the violator of the first rule. I, you know, But to me, I think it's like me and Bill both being comic writers probably sort of in our guts. The, the first rule is to figure out what is the premise and then you try to play with the premise. You, know, yeah. you don't go, oh, I'll just have a guy who's a robot and he'll be walking down the street eating a banana. You go, no, he's a robot. What does that mean? He doesn't think he's a robot. What does that yeah. mean? And you, you kind of dig into that. But you can't do that in a book where that's what the premise is. You know? <laughs> so. It, was, fu- it well, was fun. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great little two-page. Well, great. Yeah. I'm glad somebody that, read yeah. it. <laughs> Unlike me, who apparently doesn't read anything. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you read, actually? Oh, that's, that's a, a really good question. Books, <laughs> old timey, just old timey. I know it's weird. Kid my in the yellow dress, my, right? My my friends do kid me because like like the music I listen to is uh, a lot of CDs of reissues of stuff from the 30s and 40s and 50s. And my favorite comics are I go back and read older comics because I grew up reading you know what I read when I was a kid, and then it's like okay, I've seen that. I've read enough superheroes yeah. to last me a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so you go to something else. And so, uh, yeah, have I don't you gotten really the, like fanographic collections of like Peanuts or Dick Tracy. Or well, any of that stuff uh, I don't. Ha- I mean, I don't. Ha- I mean, I've got a ton of. I've got yeah. a library of reprints from fanographics and elsewhere. And yeah. yeah, I love old comic strips. Oh my god, I was at that Milwaukee show. Did you guys make it up to the? Didn't com- no, didn't I saw. I, d- I did. I, I mean, saw it with I my did. brother. Oh actually, well, yeah. it's a brilliant show. But I mean, you know, you can see the work in print. But it, it's seeing the originals. I mean, looking at Winsor McKay one after the other, or, or, or Harriman, or Chris Ware for that matter. Any, you know, any, yeah. they they get a very selective, you know, group there. But great show about the history of, of comics, and most of it was. Was was comic strips, you know? It was, but then it, it was uh, it was impressive enough that my brother and my father and I all went to it because my brother lives in Milwaukee, ah. and my dad enjoyed it. And I've never seen my dad enjoy art uh-huh. of like any type, well, there of you go. any kind. And there my dad go. was like looking at me, he's like, "Oh, that's really," you know. He was like, "That's really that, cool." I mean, that's at. you know, comics. You go back to that period. Uh, we're talking like early comic strips. Yeah, the the newspapers were wrapped in the comics because they were sold to immigrants. You know, like in New York, wherever, and they were selling this with a, a visual medium that anyone could read. People learned how to read from the comic yeah. strips and newspapers. Nowadays, they couldn't find them if they were flipping through a paper. They're buried yeah. in the well, back. I and think it's two pages. The, strip, yeah. the strips are an inch and a half it's wide. Kathy trying to find a swimming suit. <laughs> Kathy trying to find a joke. Yeah, but I, I, one of the funny things I think though is um, looking back. I used to have a thing where I didn't enjoy Golden Age comic books either, or sort of golden age comic strips but looking back a lot of those things have aged like far better than I think anyone could have predicted at any point there's still like humor in you know well, nowadays if, I mean uh, you know 
we can attack the syndicates here. I don't think there's a syndicate employee in the room, but <laughs> they will look for strips that appeal to yeah. demographics. Tom, you're not you, you're not with them anymore, right? The white car. No, the syndicates. Are they? Not with the comic book syndicates. No, not the, the comic book syndicates. Uh, these are the guys that that sell the comic strips, the newspapers. Um, no, those comic strips were for everyone, and they were, yeah. and they were, so they, because of that, they were written. For, usually, they were written purely for the artist. I mean, they were entertaining themselves, and they're really. I mean, Crazy Cat is one of the craziest strips that's ever been done, and it was, you know, he was one of the biggest cartoonists of all time. You couldn't sell that to a syndicate today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You probably couldn't sell any of those Golden Age strips uh, that we're talking about. Anyway, uh, I pointed out earlier. You said that you had uh, you'd taken the uh, the spirit. Home, uh, yeah. and, and you probably still haven't uh, had a chance to get into it. Um, Sal and I have been um, talking about Darwin Cook a lot this week mm-hmm. and, and what big fans were turning into uh, of his because he really is making comics fun for us. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Or, I am, or I, and, I, and I know I'm not going to remember exactly where I saw it in comics first. He did a Batman uh, thing with Two-Face, was it? Uh, yeah, I think, he, uh, what the heck was that? Um, anyway, but but yeah, I, I think I kind of about. lump him in with Bruce Tim, and not not Absolutely. like saying he's a copy, but just the, the same sort of school. Mm-hmm. They both come from kind of animation influenced by comics. Right before that, kind of Kirby and, and yeah. Toth maybe, and yeah. a few mm-hmm. different people. But they do this sort of really gutsy kind of cartooning. You use a brush or a marker in Tim's case, but really throw in the blacks and the drama. Now he's a perfect choice for the spirit and. Uh, you know, I haven't read the first issue yet. I do own it, though. It's good. I will be reading it shortly. Uh, I just picked it up. But anyway, it's, uh, he's one of my favorite characters. I love Will Eisner's work. I mean, my influences when it comes to comics were, um, at the, when I was growing up, it was Marvel Comics in the 60s. But then when I sort of, at the same time, they were reprinting, like, Mad uh, in paperback. And mm-hmm. so I, I sort of went back and read, uh, found that stuff. And at the same time, I remember finding the uh, Spirit. was It was like a graphics magazine. And they did a whole feature on the spirit, and I, I, I thought it was some of the greatest stuff I'd ever seen. I, of course, I didn't, you know, no one in the '60s was publishing the spirit. I hadn't seen it, and so I went back and started finding the stuff. And I was buying old spirit sections at comic book stores, and and then I started discovering the undergrounds that they were doing, and you know, kind of got me into a whole other era of comics. And that's still my favorite stuff. Jack Cole and, and Will Eisner. There's never been better comics than that, as far as I'm concerned. I found myself now, you know, it's like, you know, I, I was growing up reading comics in, you know, the the late '70s, early '80s, and then into the '90s, and and you know, the the artwork then was, you know, it started to transform into something much more uh, photorealistic and detailed, and and you know, very clean, you know, uh, line work and that kind of stuff, and and that was always sort of what I, I uh, thought good comic art was because that's all I knew at the time but now that I've, I've gotten older and really you know started to take a look at at other stuff uh, and what were you were saying it really strong artwork really brave sort of doesn't it doesn't have to be realistic yeah I mean it's, it's it, but yeah. it's iconic in well, a lot yeah, more of course ways you use me. the term realistic it's all cartoony I mean yeah. nobody I mean, right. there are a few people who actually take photographs and yeah. you know and render them and then some of them quite popular but um but most comics were never like that. I mean, the yeah. realistic versus the cartoony. It was all, it's all your average person on the street yeah. would say it's all cartoony. Right. Now it is different because they haven't just taken out the cartooniness. They're, they're drawing more realistically proportioned people, you know, elaborate backgrounds. 
but they're getting rid of that gutsy brush stroke, and it's, yeah. it's a dead weight line. It's I think a lot of that style is based on computer coloring too. Once they realize someone else can do all that work, you know, you can do the shading and all. Yeah, you can make that thin line work. Right. But you know, there's a long tradition of that too in comic strips, and you go back to Tintin and stuff like that in Europe. It's open line. It's beautifully drawn. Color plays a much more important role in that kind of work. Yeah, it's not. It's not a matter of you know trying to compare one to the other. It's just the evolution. Yeah. It's just well, yeah. It's just. I mean, it's just particularly American tradition originally, probably. You know, um, comics really did get their start here but you I mean you look at coloring 20 30 years ago i mean there's people doing stuff with colors now that would just blow people's minds yeah you could 20, 30, uh, yeah i mean, I mean uh, you know i've got i come you know i'm on artist groups on the internet <coughs> even though i don't know how to use a computer obviously <laughs> yeah. but uh, you get a you know, these letter, guys who all they do is you know criticize you know over rendered color cuz what happens with coloring today is that because the tools available to do all these little things, it's like the guys who draw all the little details. They do it even though it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And and you will have colorists rendering shadows with the light source coming from the left, whereas the artist has penciled it coming from the right. Mm-hmm. And you, you just it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And there's just too much detail for the eye. But um, kids love it. So well, you know, <laughs> as, as an anchor, there's there's more and more digital inking going on. Which is, I think, a, a big shortcut in the art process. Yeah, have you, you know, whenever you open up a book, can you say, "Oh, wow, that was obviously digitally"? No, this is not uh, scanned pencils, but it's 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 actually somebody working with a like a tablet, or, yeah, tablet yeah, or whatever, and, 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 and actually inking it that way. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I'm sure it depends on the artist. Some artists you probably couldn't tell uh, which which it was because. Inking wasn't good to begin with. <laughs> no, it, it's you know, it, inking developed. I mean, the whole craft of someone being an inker developed because of a very you know business decision to get a comic book out faster. Sure. So they took the art away from one guy and handed it to someone else while he was penciling the next book. So there's no reason for one person to ink it or another person. You know, I, there's there's it's it's all about the finished product. You know, is it good or is it not good? You know, when you, when 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 uh, progress means a deterioration or a loss of quality or a loss of something, it's hard to really celebrate it. But uh, there's no reason why good comics can't be drawn that way, and I, I've seen plenty of them. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how Kyle works, but I know he does a lot of stuff. Baker, we're talking about Kyle Baker. Yeah. I know he does a lot of stuff on computer, and there's a lot of other guys do it. And, you know, he finds a way to do it. You yeah, know, so you know, if it works, it works. It's so I remember watching a, a Frank Frazetta uh, documentary, and uh, this was later in, in his life, and they had uh, just opened up uh, his own museum, and um, yeah, he, obviously, you know, Frank Frazetta is one of the most amazing artists in, in you know, fantasy and illustration, and, and that. Um, but he was at the very end of it. They were talking to him about technique and, and, and tools and that kind of thing, and he just had had started to to play around with uh, a tablet. A Wacom tablet, a computer. He had never, he had never touched one really before, and and uh, he was fascinated by it. He couldn't, you know, he, he was like, "Wow, this is," you know, he, he he looked at it like the future, and and it was like if there was one guy that you would never imagine right. would embrace something like that, you know, some, somebody who right. who you know whose oil paintings were just unbelievable, and and who you would think never could do that. But I guess it all it all just really depends on on it's, what it, it is a tool, and the problem is is the training. It's like. Frank mm-hmm. was trained classically. Mm-hmm. So if he was going to draw with a Wacom, he'd be drawing with a classically trained eye and hand. But what happens is you get people who are brought in as colorists, unfortunately, often, that 
They simply know how to use a computer before right. the other guy did. So they're, they're, they're suddenly coloring comics. If you looked at the first computer-colored comics, they will burn your eyeballs. They're, they're the horrible. ugliest things yeah. in the world. There's no subtlety. These guys had yeah. some fluorescent They knew nothing mm-hmm. about color palettes. All they knew was how to press buttons on a computer. And, well, and you know, There's no subtlety. And that happens yeah. today, but, uh, you know, but at least now... You know, you're gonna, uh, you can still, you can find a guy who actually knows how to color who also works on the computer. Well, I think it kind of goes back to what you're talking about. You know, the over rendering and overusing mm-hmm. the tool just because you could, as opposed to yeah. using it as a tool to benefit the artwork. As a, you know, other than just, ooh, I've got a bunch of neat tools, I better use them. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of times it comes down to that, where you know, right. a, guy, a guy, like you said, he isn't classically trained as an artist. But he knows how to use all these neat tools, so why not? Knows all the Photoshop them? filters. Yeah, well, that, you know what I mean. Oh, and, and you know the best-selling, the comics that sold the best were in the '40s. Uh, the peak of comics was like what the '40s, early '50s, yeah. mm-hmm. and they were, you know, they weren't drawn with a tiny rapidograph drawing license plate numbers. You know, <laughs> they were telling stories yeah. by the seat of their pants. And the best comics today are the same thing. They're doing them today. It just, you know. A whole market d- developed. A whole, you know, bunch of editors were trained to sell comics to kids that were demanding a certain type of thing. And it, 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 it's like, you know, just kept feeding itself. Mm-hmm. You know, div- These kids love detail. We'll give them more detail. They love pinups. We'll give them pinups. And you just develop this style that is not about telling stories Who the hell all. loved Holofoil? It's, a, it's, um, <laughs> it's like a... It's very much an industry, I think, that the, its biggest pitfall is reactiveness as opposed to proactive. You know, it's a... Uh, this Copy. sold well. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. This sold hey, that, well. That did well. Do you ever, yeah, wonder, do you ever wonder why over. when a movie comes out in Hollywood, there are two other movies just right. like it that come oh, out I mean, at the same time? Oh, I mean, that's entertainment. I mean, that's in everything. That's like yeah. everybody wants stage to be on shows, the band everything. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and the only good, interesting things that have ever been done are things that weren't done before or that weren't done at that time or that are new because they hadn't been done. But it takes before. a certain amount of courage and bravery for an artist to go out and do something that nobody else is doing. Because sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes you yeah. know what I mean. And 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 when yeah, it does it work, it's sell. amazing. And it, well, sometimes, it sell. yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> a completely you, different yeah, argument. I look you know, at comics today, though. I mean, I'm look. You look at the, the the books on the shelf, and you can have Darwin Cook right next to somebody that draws in you know more rendered so-called image style mm-hmm. or something, right next to something from Europe, and so everything's available. And then the old stuff is yeah. being reprinted. Yeah. So there's no. You can't. A kid isn't growing up in a bubble anymore. Going, oh, this is what comics yeah. are. Yeah. There's no excuse. That, that, for that is anymore. the cool thing. That's mm-hmm. the the great thing with comics is that it's become much more. You can find it's there everything yeah. for you right, right. now. Right. I remember how it was these big discoveries. We would find a page of the Spirit in a magazine, you know, where they were doing a thing in Europe on the on the Spirit, and it's like now it's there. If you want to find it, it's there. So, I I, I I don't think there's going to be that kind of limited. I, they're just too much available. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a great. And time I think to you're be a seeing a lot fan. of a lot of that come through, and yeah. even mainstream titles. I think you're seeing yeah. someone like Darwin Cook. I mean, 20 years ago, when someone like Darwin Cook, well, get Bruce to draw Tim, super, Bruce yeah. Tim basically, you know, proved that that style is viable by doing it in animation. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then he brought people up the comics, and they people, had to take them because he's a Hollywood it. star. Right. right. And that's, that's what it took thing. to wake up the comic book editors that you could draw in this kind of more. Yeah. They'll buy a con- Superman story. Style. They'll buy a Superman story drawn like that. You know. Right. And then Why do you think it is though that you see so much of? You know, it amazes me. I, I, I just speaking of, of Darwin Cook again. I, I just happened to get the uh, the absolute new frontier uh, that came oh, out, okay. and it was amazing. It was just you know I I I, had, I hadn't really read that series before, and I started it's into it. Beautiful, and yeah. it's it's just unbelievable. The first story alone is just so well told and just just gorgeous. And and I'm sitting there going, you know, 
how come how can DC Comics come out with something that amazing and that well done and know that that's what they should do, and yet at the same time they come out with stuff that is just almost laughable to some degree in in its artistic integrity. Well, you know, I, it's like how are those but decisions is, made the, at the same time? Well, the thing is, it's like whatever sells. Like, what are you going to oh, do? I, I, well, I don't even. Yeah, but I don't even everyone's I th- trying to sell something. You know, sure. everyone's well, trying certainly. to sell their book, and some decisions are your good, artistic some are bad. integrity is someone else's. But you know, but some people don't. So I mean, so, you know, some people clearly do make the wrong decision. They go, "Oh, this will work," or whatever. But I mean, look, most product, if you know, it's it's a business and it's product, and most product sucks, and most food is terrible, and most movies are bad, and most books aren't worth reading. It gets worse in comics because, you, you know, until recently, you didn't really have much critical, you know, focus on it. Mm-hmm. So, I, actually, there's it's a double-edged sword with criticism. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people might gets say overboard. comics were better before people paid attention to them. I don't think that's true, but, you know, I, 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 why things are junk, it's just the way the world works. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The audience does have bad taste, though. I mean, if you give the audience only what they say they want, you're always going to turn out crap. You have to give them what they don't know they want. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to get an, an editor well, I think or a publisher to take I mean, that. I lead. think that's uh that's an idiom that sort of works for all entertainment is like yeah. movies, comedy, anything. If you go out, if you go out and perform, if you're going to go perform comedy and you perform comedy for people and you say this is what they want, the the lowest common denominator in the base no one will level laugh. of yeah. like people laugh at. Shit that they don't expect. Yeah, that's like. I well, mean, that's, right. Yeah, right. I mean that's sort but of. But I mean, the weird thing you get in comics is that there are plenty of editors who are convinced that people do not want to read funny comics. That the readers will read, so they have to like somehow sell it to them, right? You can put humor in an otherwise serious book, right? But I think I think a lot of that though too is you look at something like Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel I think is a really good example of how. There's a certain amount of fans that want that funny old Captain Marvel, and every time they try and bring that back, though, it literally can't, for whatever reason, whether it's criticism or art or the market at the time, can't make money. It puts them in a bad position, I think, because I think there is a market for humor comics, but I don't know if the market for humor comics is at the level of where DC or Marvel well, well, I think, I think, I think it, comes, it comes in a lot of mediums where humor is almost a it, it's almost relegated to um, not a luxury but but it's like it, it, I generally won't go see a comedy at the movie theaters because I don't feel like it's like I can wait for video for that kind of thing it's like it, it, even though I enjoy good comedy as much as I do a good we'll drama wait till we get or a to the good actor, well, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, like it's it's, yeah. a, it's I mean, like it's almost true. comedy is put off. You know, it's like oh, it's it's always sort of there. It's taken for granted. Yeah. But the funny thing is, the hardest thing to do is comedy. Yeah, because I, drama, I don't disagree. You can manufacture I drama. It, clearly, something has changed. Though. I mean, you know, first of all, your average comic reader isn't that kid that read Captain yeah. Marvel. You know, that was a younger reader. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. And the type of humor that appeals to your average aged comic reader now, which would probably be a teenager, I imagine, maybe even 20s. Yeah, I would say right? 20s. Yeah, yeah, right. 20s. So it's going to be a more cynical, a darker, a more worldly yeah. kind mm-hmm. of humor. It's not going to be Captain Marvel. So if you're trying yeah. to sell it's gonna Captain be Santa Marvel with a shotgun. to a guy I mean, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah. the big red cheese it's not going to work. It's not going to fly. Yeah, you know, yeah not, exactly. Uh, you know, it's a... Uh, 
know. I think I think a lot of the thing though is um, where the the problem with humor com- the, in humor comics where that huge gap with Captain Marvel though is a lot of the truly traditionally great comic comics are of a certain vintage that they never went through a really proper transformation to the modern age and we're now just trying to deal with making Captain Marvel. They never dealt with Captain Marvel making well, it's him like, funny it's and like, modern. It's like, it's like taking like, something like, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you know uh, the, the Three Stooges, you know, where it's like slapstick sort of comedy and trying to progress that to today. You're trying to skip, like, I mean, now you have Jackass. It, like, you know what I mean? Now, it's like, yeah. that, that's sort of the comparison. It's like from, from the Stooges to Jackass. That's the same sort of slapstick. Well, I mean, but it, but like it has to become something different, something different where it's right. like this, this right. edgy, you know, like you were saying, dark. It has to be more than... Jerry Lewis begat Jim Carrey. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, the, it, it's really this... You can see where this movie was taken from that movie, or this this mm-hmm. is pattern after that. You, know, you can see the, the influence, but it's not the same thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's it has a different feeling, and there's some of the stuff you can't actually describe. I mean, it just is what it is. It's written at a different time. There's with something a different that it works within the context of what it is, yeah. and that's all it needs. You know, like a lot of people will. If you go back and you read an old 1940s comic strip or comic book. It's really easy to dim- dismiss it and go, well, that isn't funny now. But you can't, you can't really do that because if you're going back and looking at it, you know it's old. You know, there's like a filter to everything well, yeah, that you read. Right. That's it like depends on if you're a critic or if you're an uncritical reader. Yeah, I mean, if, if someone you, just hands you, it, the to audience you, yeah. is not going to have a critical yeah. distance, right? The audience is going to say, I like it or I don't like it. It's funny or yeah. it's not funny. It's a, it, if comedy is a physical response. You, know, you laugh or you don't laugh. Yeah, that's you can't go intellectually. I'm laughing on the inside. It, that's funny in <laughs> yeah. theory, but it's not <laughs> but funny. Yeah, in reality, my grandfather would have found that hilarious. <laughs> you know, more talk about. But I mean, building to me, bands. I read Plastic Man by Cole in the '40s. It's funny today. Uh, There's you an know, old I stuff don't that's, have, Yeah, I mean, it works. Yeah, so. if Cole was a great writer. And, and, you know, old movies don't date in the sense that they're not funny anymore. I mean, some movies, you know, old movies, you know, it's racist. There's certain things that you date. You watch, like, a Marx Brothers movie. A Marx Brothers movie will still make you laugh. It's funny or it's not funny. I still yeah. enjoy The yeah. Thin Man. Oh. I love The Thin Man. Well, look at us talking about old times. <laughs> old time movies. This is the black and white episode. <laughs> black and white episode. <laughs> Dragging you into the black pit of my existence. No, Hillary uh, has made us old. I think, uh, it's, it's, no, I think this is... Yeah. Uh, well, H- Hillary, I... We I'm, had enough funny stuff with Brian yeah. and Jerry yeah. earlier. <laughs> no, now I it's like the serious this, part of... Since you're in the neighborhood... Yes. We know that you're here now, so you've been pegged. So we expect you to, to be back at some point. Well, I think I'm coming back in August, is it, for the uh, Splash Brannigan Tomorrow Stories? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll we'll be here all month yeah. in August. Yeah, all month in August. <laughs> August. <laughs> we will put him on display. We have the, the Hillary Bardic case <laughs> yeah, at the front back. of the store. That'd be awesome. But, yes, this has been fantastic. We, uh, any, anytime, any Friday, just pop oh, on yeah. in. Thanks, guys. Oh, and I, once again, also. I just want to say sorry, Mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. And thank you to Hillary Barta. Uh, what a neat guy. Yeah, I had, you know, it was funny because the first, you know, the first hour and a half or whatever he was here, we were talking with Brian and last Christmas, and it was very funny and crazy, and we were, you know, whatever, zany. But then all of a sudden, you know, when we just started talking to him about comics and sort of history, it became this unbelievable, amazing talk, uh, you know. Shop a, talk. Yeah, it was great. And, and uh, 
Just two guys who dabble in comics in the first uh, show about last yeah. Christmas, and then a guy who's really spent his life in the in oh, the industry yeah. and really can speak it with a command of what you know, the the changes and what you know it's like to and was, be in the biz and most passionate, very yeah. passionate about, yeah, about the craft, very very and well dressed and well dressed. He's tall. He's a tall man. <laughs> Not I'm, many of our guests show up wearing a uh, top hat and tails. <laughs> well, he's a classic, you know. Hillary, why the Mr. Peanut look? <laughs> <laughs> a monocle and gentlemen, <laughs> exactly. Gentlemen, enjoy your planters. <laughs> Don't <Well>. pass go. <laughs> but he was—he was—he was great. It he was, was awesome. And I—I and I, I hope we have him back soon, oh, especially God, in uh, in August next mm-hmm. August when mm-hmm. we do uh, the uh, the Tomorrow Stories yeah. with. Splash, Brannigan, and but before that we have to have. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So it'll be on Word Balloon as well. I right. have to say. Oh, oh, oh yeah, stealing yeah. our guests, you bastard! I know. Shame on you. Me. Talk, about, talk about the, the hey, year. What are you, about? you had Colin on. I already had Colin. Yeah. <laughs> They're all of our guests. Well, talking about the year, the, the year of Alan oh. Moore. This has been uh, the, the, the this has been the, the week them. of oh. Word Balloon for me. I listened to oh, the Bilson DeMeo, Dan DeDio. Uh, the DeDio one was awesome. Thanks, the, 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 the Denny O'Neill was a replay, but a fantastic yeah, you interview. Know, yeah, I'm throwing a few old ones up there, and, and forgive me for people who have heard them before, but it's like literally a third of the audience is new. And as much as I ask They're them awesome to, they don't they don't dig into my website to find the old ones. Yeah. So I hope to represent people the like ben, Danny uh, and Neil Adams. It the was guy well who does black, uh, black coat, Ben uh, Ben Licious. That's that's a recent mm-hmm. interview as well. Uh, Steve Bryant, mm-hmm. Athena Voltaire, uh, yeah. mentioned earlier in the show, uh, also uh, will be coming up. Awesome. So. I know another guest of yours that oh, I'm stealing. John, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You also I, I stole you details. stole the topic of comic books from us. <laughs> yes, I know. Sorry, I know. Jeez, My didn't talk about comic books. It was well, a joke, John. I Relax. Know. It was a joke. So, um, so. Uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everyone Fuck out there. You. Yeah, it, that was said with sincerity and love, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. 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 He's just like, we're gonna give you a big wet old kiss and stuff. So yeah, fuck you, Merry Christmas. Uh, happy Hanukkah, or whatever. That will uh, that'll uh, wrap up our our Hillary Barta interview. Uh, we do want to go over uh, a couple of our reviews and recommendations. Yes. That means it's time for top of the stack. Top, top of the top stack. Of the stack. Of the stack. stack. That's right. It's top of the stack. Our chance to let you, the listener, know what we, the panel, have been reading for the last week. Mr. Caters, what was your top of the stack? My top of the stack is Maintenance from Oni Press, written by Jim Massey. Massey? Massey? Massey. I, I'm going to guess. Indians call it Maze. Maze. Indians call it Maze. Drawn by Robbie Rodriguez. It is about two janitors at a corporation that builds weapons for villains. Uh, <laughs> it's really... It's the art is cartoony but very expressive. The writing uh, isn't. There's nothing in this book that's gonna like shatter your vision of comic books, but it's very funny, and it achieves its goal fantastically. And it's definitely worth your three fifty. I loved the book. It asked the hard questions, like <laughs> does a shark man is a shark man a shark or a who's man? made into a man, or is it a man who's made into a shark? <laughs> And I've always wondered that. I, maybe that's just in line with my own sense of humor, but I thought I I really loved it. I thought it was fun. I laughed out loud on the train while reading it. So and people looked at you sign. funny. No, not <coughs> as funny as that, that one woman. But uh, I I, I, I read that I read that too, uh, and, and I really did enjoy that. It was funny. And it's a really good. funny book. Yeah, yeah, very nice. So go out and grab it. Um, I I'll go. 
Go yeah. ahead. All right. Um, not one in particular, but it was actually kind of a, I think, a fairly strong week for Civil War crossovers. And I know with the delays and and, and kind of how the story is being drawn out, that a lot of people are kind of, if not getting bored with Civil War, are getting a little tired of it. That it's just, a, it's been a heavy series to follow, and it's not the, you know, not the feel-good series of, of the year. Uh, definitely. My opinion is is right. You know, I quote uh, a great man, Axel Rose, and we don't need your civil war. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm kind of wow. I'm I'm ready for them to to move on to what they're gonna do next after Civil War. So, um, but this week was actually really strong. I, I felt for the for the Titans and, and three of them in particular, and that was the Iron Man, Captain America, Civil War, Casualties of War. It was uh, written by Christos Gage, uh, Jeremy Hahn on uh, uh, pencils, uh, Maury Hallwell on uh, on colors, and it's it's really it's really kind of funny. It's a good group. Yeah, and very well written. Jeremy is so good to see Jeremy getting some mainstream work after following him with Battle Him and Leading Man, which is at Oni, uh, which is a really fun series. And uh, I'm starting to turn into an even bigger dork because as soon as I opened it up, I'm like, oh, that's Maury Hollowell colors, I can tell. It's because... It, nerd. Yeah, I'm very much a nerd, but Maury did a, a great job coloring it. Um, Don't bend it. For, for people that are really... <laughs> And and I'll I'll lump Iron Man number fourteen in with Casualties of War because it had some great Iron Man cap moments that I think the regular series has been missing. And I think you're finally starting to get some conversation between those two characters and understand what their point of view is. And it's not that, that cap necessarily is all anti registration or that Tony is totally pro registration. It's there's a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture. There are <laughs> shades of gray, and both of these books got into those shades of gray. I, I think Civil War is a very entertaining story. I think the one thing they claim that they do that I still don't see is a legitimate explanation and example of the pro-registration team in action showing you why it's necessary to be registered. If they would show a few victories of that side... And and yeah, and not just be this cap. You're, you're being a rebel, don't you understand? Or the arguments that that Tony makes in terms of if we do, if we don't allow this, they're going to restrict us more. And I think that's a fair point. But again, I think you need to see that team in action doing good to to explain why you know this there's the, that there is this e- this even balance that they claim to be. That said, though, I, I love it. I'm a little concerned about uh, the. Uh, Life of one of uh, Iron Man's longtime supporters, and I'll just leave it at that, uh, just in case uh, oh. people aren't reading it <laughs> and find out uh, exactly what's going on in Iron Man because uh, he is one of my favorite characters. And he's yeah, gone. Just, yeah, Sorry. well, 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 we'll see. I nah. don't know. Well, there's uh, nah. That was too heavy of a moment for them. To dead is dead. Dead oh, is I don't dead. know. Right, I, could, I could see some. I could see a revival. Oh. You know, a flatline is only as long as it needs to be. Yeah. So. It's, I don't know. It was, Iron Man was actually very good this this week. I'm not a normally an Iron Man. Han engaged kicked ass on Casualties of War too, by the way. Han showing the different moments in Cap and Iron Man's past, that was and neat. just this great pastiche of mar- great Marvel moments. Mm-hmm. One I forgot about in the mid '80s during the Armor Wars when uh, the, when Captain America was the captain and not you know Captain mm-hmm. America, and Tony was the rogue. Yeah. And and Cap, you know, and he and Cap fought back then when Tony was the rogue, so it was very interesting. And uh, also, War Crimes was, if you like uh, Kingpin, I thought it was 
neat to see Kingpin and Tony Stark kind of squaring off in a you know a actual, an actual chess match uh, on and off the chess board. Uh, War Crimes was was very entertaining, seeing how the criminal underworld is trying to use Civil War to their benefit, and while the heroes are, are fighting each other, that there's an opportunity for certain players in, in the underworld to, to grab power, especially with Kingpin in prison, and you get to see how he uses that to his advantage. So War Crimes was really uh, a fun book, especially if you're a Kingpin fan. Frank so. uh, Frank Thierry, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful writer that doesn't get enough credit. Yep, good stuff. So uh, that's, uh, that's why... Little trifecta of Civil War crossover goodness, uh, Mr. Suntress. Oh, I see. I almost made that my top of the that stack. That was a great book. It was John. really good. Yeah, I, well, building on uh, what might be coming in the post Civil War, War world, uh, you know, Brian Bendis uh, created the Illuminati, the uh, power brokers of the Marvel universe: Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, Iron Man, Professor X, Namor, Reed Richards, and I appreciate the backstory that these guys have been behind the scenes manipulating things for the betterment of the world. Uh, in very key moments of the Marvel Universe history. And we saw a taste of that in the prequel, in the first Illuminati one-shot. Uh, this is uh, the start of the five-issue miniseries. It's being co-written by Brian Reed. Jimmy Chung is uh, doing the pencils, and it's... Uh, is it Rick Morales doing the uh, inking? Yes. Thank you. Um, it's Morales. And, uh, and, you know, I'm always a big fan of Jim Chung's art. Uh, the great thing to see is uh, that Bendis can write good interplanetary material. You can and write I, and an, I, an action, like a really tight action <coughs> story that has a lot going on within it. Yeah. That isn't necessarily dialogue. But at the, but at the same time, it was like, <coughs> part of my favorite part of this book was sort of seeing the the, the scrolls as more than just like these aliens. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. They have their oh, own... Oh, yeah. Their no, own personality. Yeah, their own, their own agendas, their own yes, emotions. Their own, and they were the society. It was really good. Yeah. The, the only... And I really enjoyed the book. But, but the only thing... The but only thing that we're... Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. Oh, please. The... the it has nothing to do with the quality of the of the writing or the, the art or anything like that. I really enjoyed the book. It was just... I, I, when I was done with it, I was like, you know, if they wanted to, this could set up, like, Civil War being caused... You know... Tony Stark could be a scroll. Reed Richards could be a scroll. Of course he could. No, and, this, and that's this why very... Civil War happened. You know what I mean? Well, sure. That no, could be this, the answer. This series clearly is going to tie into mm-hmm. the fallout of Civil War. But that it worries isn't... me because they had, you know, what? Joe Casada saying there's not going to be this bad guy at the end of it who's behind it all. This isn't what they're not going to wrap it up yeah, in a whatever. whole bow. Well, uh, yeah. And now they. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's like now all of a sudden it's like this sure opens the door for that. And I like oh, I, oh, I, I, I like the book. I, I didn't see. The, I see that as a possibility. I, yeah, that's I'll, all. I'll that's be curious all. Curious to see where the journey goes. That was the only and thing that were when I was done with. It, like mm, maybe, but I, I really did enjoy it. I did enjoy the book very much. The other thing too is it remi- I, and I don't want to just you know mention Brian Bendis and not forget about the other Brian Brian Reed right, who I yeah. think is a hell of a writer. And uh, I am curious and I hope to talk to Reed soon about uh, you know exactly what his share of the workload is because this is this is a fascinating. Uh, group of characters you don't normally see together and yeah I, I really enjoy the squirrel aspect of it as well and quite a little super see, team aren't you they? got to see yeah. a little bit of all their characters too. Yeah. there's a little bit of everyone in no it question then. no question and yeah an interesting and grouping of, of these very powerful Marvel people that I, I look forward to seeing more of their work together and you got to see Black Bolt unleash a little bit that yeah. was, oh, it's that always so Black Bolt what do you have to say about this <laughs> exactly <laughs> boom um 
So good, st- ah, good Speaking stuff. Speaking of Brian Reed, I wanted to just mention something. I I, I, uh, I probably have said it on the show before. Where I, I've made fun of Chris a little bit about Miss Marvel because <laughs> he was buying it. You know, I thought just because, but I, I happen to pick up like three issues, three of the Civil War, and, and read them, and that's by Brian Reed. Yes, and is. They were good. Yes, they, are. <laughs> they were really, no, good. really good. I was no, like, wow! I, I wouldn't, have, I didn't think I would have enjoyed those at all. But they were really good. They, nope. they, yeah. So he's he's excellent. A quick shout out too, by the way, to Gail Simone who wrapped up Secret Six this uh, week. Great mini series. I, I uh, certainly hope to see. Hatter. God, that made me sad. Yes. That yes. made the end of that was sad. The Mad Hatter has become a very interesting character in the DCU, and it's all thanks to Gale. And I really look forward Fucking to another miniseries real soon with this with this cast of characters. I'm I, very I upset. Ragdoll has a bunch of monkeys dressed up like his teammates. These are D level <laughs> characters. I mean, these aren't C level characters. These are D and E yeah. level characters. And Gail made a matter in six issues, yeah. and it built on what she started in Villain, uh, Villains United. That last issue. Catman was seriously thinking about having sex with Chess Cheshire during the battle. Exactly. But she was like, you well, that's the thing. I'm They're thinking not about <laughs> it. <laughs> you, get, you get villains that turn into heroes or anti-heroes yeah. and all this BS. And the bottom line is these are still creepy bad fucked guys that guys. are really fucked up <laughs> and have very strange psychoses about them. But it makes for compelling reading, and I, I think it's great. I think DC had some balls doing a book as weird as it is. And it, once again, it just shows you that she's one of my favorite people, Gail Simone. I want to see. I want to you know, see. She's excellent. What? It is. Now, what's your that. top of the stack? Uh, my top of the stack is a book from Archaea Press. Um, it's called The Killer Number One: Long Fire Part One. Uh, this was originally published in France in five volumes from '98 to 2003. This is the first time it's been uh, published in in the U.S. in English. Um, I guess they're taking this and doing a, a ten-part uh, story with it, uh, and it's about a, a assassin in France. Um, and the whole first issue is him in an apartment waiting for his next victim uh, to show up so he can kill him. And initially, it doesn't seem like maybe it's that interesting of a book uh, or a premise. But uh, throughout the story, he sort of is reminiscing about uh, how he got into this line of work and and some of the different you know things that he's done in it um and as you go through it you're, you're finding out a little bit more and more about his character and by the end of it um you really see that he's starting to uh, come a little loose at the edges uh the most fascinating thing about it when i was reading it was i i, I thought to myself that you couldn't have told this story in any other medium you couldn't have told this as a movie or a tv show or even a novel it just wouldn't have worked well but in, in a com- in, in, as a comic, I thought it worked extremely well. The art was fantastic. It's written by Matz, M-A-T-Z, I'm not sure who that is, and illustrated by a guy named uh, Luke Giacomone. Um And the the art is fantastic. It's it's uh, it kind of reminds me of <clears throat> um, oh not Silvestri um, who who just did Batman Confidential. The artist, uh, um, oh, Pache- uh, Pacheco, Pacheco. no, Pacheco. Por, por, Mark, uh, well, Portacio. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of that a little bit, but not nearly as sketchy or uh, it's less defined it and looks clearer. More, it looks more Michael Larkish or the guy who did Trigger for DC. Yeah, there's a little, yeah, um, and also if the you look Winter at Men, yeah, it's got it's got. I thought it was beautiful. John I Paul thought there Leon. was great great worship, wor- mm-hmm. uh, great use of color and shadow. 
um, in it, and it was just a really, really good, interesting comic book. Hey, th- there was a reason why it's called noir. It's French. The French. Yeah, noir. yeah. I mean, really, the French. Yeah. The um, French really grabbed noir from the uh, Hollywood system and really built on it. And I think that you know European crime uh, comics are wonderful. And I didn't know about it until you mentioned it, Sal, and I'm. It, 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 it really tonight, made so. me want to like go try and find the original stuff, even though it's in French. I'd, I'd love, you know, I think I could probably get enough out of it. But this is a ten part, uh, ten part series from Arkea Studio Press, and I will absolutely be picking up the rest of it because I thought it was fantastic. Very cool. So, All right, that's it. The killer. Well, that'll wrap up our uh, our top of the stack. We're uh, through the magic of editing. We're going to magically turn John Suntras into Hillary Barda in just a moment. Yeah, this is really great. <laughs> thank you. As That's I the morph worst. into Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, thank you so much. My Happy pleasure. holidays, good sir. Happy Kwanzaa, gentlemen. Take care. <laughs> happy Kwanzaa. And uh, happy holidays to everybody else. Well, hey, we, we, have, uh, we, we do have a few Are there any other here? comics you guys want me to say I haven't read, by no, the way? No, no. Well, we'll Some of my friends, we'll you can mention that. all their miniseries. We'll we'll edit in a list of stuff we don't think you've read. New Tales of Old Calamar. That's great stuff. <laughs> have I read Strange Girl? I sure have. You know, that Rick Remender guy, he's a yeah. funny guy. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Let's chop out these <laughs> announcements, guys. All right. Um, Shopping Around Comics? Shopping Around Comics, www.aroundcomics.com. You can buy all sorts of Around Comics gear if you're so inclined, or you can go to our Amazon store and pick up any of these fantastic Amazon, or uh, Amazon, Alan Moore books that we've been talking about, or a Tomorrow bunch of other stories. stuff, Tomorrow Stories with Splash Last Granigan, Christmas. Last Christmas, um, any of that stuff. So if you're going to buy it from Amazon anyway, buy it through our store and, and help, help us out. If you don't it. see it on there, ask us and we'll put it on there. And you could buy American Splendor. I've got a, a story out in American Splendor and another one in the works. Hellboy that. Jr. You, Hellboy Jr. That's Goon a, that's Noir. Little, oh, yeah, there's one in the uh, Goon Noir. And I've got mm-hmm. stories coming up in uh, backup stories in uh, um, Fear Agent. Rick's yeah. uh, Fear Agent, yes. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. Uh, you can uh, help us out by spreading the Around Comics love. You do that a few different ways. One of them is to download our flyer at the Listener LCS Challenge at the uh, uh, the homepage at www.aroundcomics.com. Print out that flyer. Give it to your local comic shop owner or manager, and if they display that in their shop, we will mention you and the shop on the show and provide a link to them on our site. Uh, you can also be so kind as to give us a dig at dig.com. With two Gs, D-I-G-G. Yeah. Go there, vote for us. Yep, so, so Dig now has podcast, and we are on there. We're also at Comic Space, so if you go to www.comicspace.com slash Around comics slash Tom Caters. I also have my own profile. <laughs> the elitist, the, the, the talkie tawny. The talkie. I have the talkie tawny. I met the other guy with the talkie tawny uh, <laughs> avatar, avatar yeah. and it was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, the, le- the, the message I left was this: This is what it's like when talkie tawnies cry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, and my personal right favorite. about now, I'm glad I'm computer illiterate. <laughs> yeah. I am so this is what happens here. on the internet. Oh, thank God they don't know my thank actual God. address. Um, 
My iTunes favorite reviews? the the iTunes uh, music reviews. Uh, be as cool as Andy Parks. Uh, I want to mention uh, uh, Andy's other podcast, uh, the Will Flipson Show. Very funny. So, yep, and check out Will Flips talking about great comedy. That is definitely one of them. Uh, thanks to uh, to John X for your review this week. We really appreciate the the music re- reviews, guys. So keep those coming and uh, music and that is reviews. Great. So, or it's the iTunes Music, music Store, Store reviews. reviews. Oh, okay. I he sounds so put out by having to read it all. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> iTunes Music Store reviews. All right, and you can check out all uh, the great things that around comics has to offer. It's the best source for comic book news, reviews, and opinions. We're there. Please oh take a minute God. to fill out our listener survey. <laughs> Can't believe my family's going to have to listen to this. Let us know who we're talking to and how we can make a, around comics a better show. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. The CPN is a collection of the best comic book podcasts on the net. You can learn more about the network and find more great posca- podcasts at comicpodcast.com. Absolutely. And just so everyone is aware, we post next week's topic on Tuesdays or thereabout at our forum at aroundcomics.com. We have the movie trivia contest that's going on right now. But yes. uh, pay attention because next month from Watchmen, <laughs> the Tom got Tom, Tom got drunk. I accidentally ordered two copies of Absolute Watchmen, so someone's going to win you one. Accidentally, ordered he was two drunk. Copies. I was really Is drunk. It really need and that when I ordered them. So you're going to get a copy of Absolute Watchmen. I'm going to make you write an essay though, like a like a three paragraph <laughs> essay. Three paragraphs. Hey, it's an absolute <laughs> edition. I mean, absolute come on, edition. it is an absolute edition. All right, I would like to thank yeah. everybody that was on the show, Tom and Sal. As always, it's great to see you on a Friday. Thank Evening, uh, Mr. Barda, you have been an absolute pleasure to talk with. Uh, Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn, very, very funny, funny, funny men. So, funny men. Funny men. Thank you, guys. So enjoy Much that. funnier than me, apparently, because, yeah, I dragged the whole thing down. Into no. Serious I, talk. Serious talk about old comic books. Well, yeah. we, we like to, you know, act like we have two brain cells to, oh, to rub to together. together. So well, thank you. It was great. Fire. Yes, absolutely. They're rubbing their brain cells together right now. Rubbing <laughs> other things together, too. Uh, oh, Everyone, gross. have a fantastic Ew. rest of your week. We'll be back again uh, next Monday with another episode. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and around comics. Black and white. like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the contact us section of our website. Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next time, and the panel will change, but our mission will stay the same bringing you the very best news, reviews, and opinions in and around comics. Around Comics is a Pipe Dream production. Copyright 2006. All rights reserved.